0: or the 1992 consensus, and he's certainly never been a supporter of of independence at all, even though his corporate group has given donations to politicians from all parties, which is typical uh, for for large corporations. They always need uh, access and and, and friends, uh, given the the highly regulated nature of the different business activities that they do. But, uh, no, we haven't seen much reporting on that, which probably means it's something China's saving for next year, so we'll have to keep monitoring this one.
1: Okay, Ross. Well, thank you very much for all your contributions from Taiwan this year. We look forward to talking with you again next year, and have a very happy Christmas. You Th- too. Thank you. That's Ross Feingold, business. You're listening to Money, business development director at Safe Pro Group HK Radio Three. Let me give you an update on the markets for this morning. Uh, the ASX 200 in Sydney is up about 0.2 percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen about a third of a percent in the first half hour of trading. Uh, the Cosby is flat now. Uh, Looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 150 points at the open. Um, In the commodities markets, Brent Crude Oil is trading at $75.56 a barrel. Uh, Gold is at $1,804 an ounce. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for the final money talk before Christmas. Stay tuned to Radio 3. Back Chats coming up. Janice Wong and Andrew Work next. Uh, The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, one or two rain patches in the morning, sunny intervals during the day, maximum temperature of about 22 degrees, and then it's going to be mainly cloudy in the next few days. The weather will become cold appreciably with a few rain patches early next week. The temperature is 19 degrees, 75% relative humidity. 8.31 and a half, Andrew Sharofsky has the half-hour news.
2: The University of Hong Kong says it's decided to remove a statue commemorating the 1989 Tiananmen Square incident. In a statement, it said the decision to remove what it described as the aged sculpture, which has stood at the university since 1997, was made yesterday based on external legal advice and risk assessment for the best interest of the university. Media reports and witnesses said security barriers were erected around the statue overnight as construction workers hammered and drilled the eight-meter-tall copper artwork that featured faces and bodies piled on top of each other. The university added it is also very concerned about the potential safety issues resulting from what it called the fragile statue. Jens Galshjert, the Danish sculptor who put up the statue, says he's shocked by the decision, adding that it is not an easy task to dismantle the sculpture.
1: I don't think that it's possible to remove it because when we put it there, uh, then after that, they have been there in this place about 20 years so they have built a lot of thing around it. Uh, so I think it's necessary to put it in, in pieces to get it out of this area. And this is the reason I offer to come there and take it down and help them to do that, because it's not possible for people who don't know anything about sculpture to do that.
2: The head of the World Health Organization has told a news conference that there should be enough coronavirus vaccines for all adults around the world to be vaccinated by the end of March next year. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said the supply of vaccines for the COVAX scheme was increasing. However, he warned that wealthy countries were rushing to give booster jabs at the cost of poorer countries giving initial shots.
3: No country can boost its way out of the pandemic and boosters cannot be seen as a ticket to go ahead with the planned celebrations without the need for other precautions.
2: France's First Lady Brigitte Macron is to sue over false claims circulating over the internet that she is transgender and was born male. The fake reports were published on a far right website and circulated by conspiracy theorists. The BBC's Hugh Schofield has more.
1: The theory, as relayed by certain conspiracy-minded websites, has it that Brigitte Macron was originally called Jean-Michel. Allegedly, there's an old family photograph with a Jean-Michel in it, who's never seen again. That, says the theory, is because he became a she, Brigitte. The story is so far-fetched that many are asking why the President's wife is even bothering to sue over it. There's no evidence that anyone actually believes it's true. But under President Macron, this French government has been active in fighting so-called fake news, with Presidential elections approaching, all attempts to smear public figures, no matter how outlandish, are being taken seriously.
2: And that's the news from RTHK.
4: good morning and welcome to Back Chat. i'm janice wong and your co-host today is andrew work good morning andrew
5: good morning janice
4: today we're talking about free public transport and free phones for the elderly last sunday everyone was offered free rides on the mtr buses and trams as a way for transport companies to promote the legco elections there was a huge response with people taking full advantage to head in droves to malls theme parks and the great outdoors the mobile retailers reported a big boost in consumer spending. Minibus drivers who weren't part of the free rides initiative rumbled about an 80% plunge in business. Today, we discuss whether the free public transport day was a good idea and if it should be brought back again or on a more regular basis. At 9.15am, we'll talk about the Joggy Club scheme that offers 20,000 smartphones to the elderly so they can use the Leave Home Safe app. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, back chat on RTHK Radio 3, Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or why not just give us a call on two three three eight eight two six six. Now to uh, kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line transport expert Alok Jain, who is the Managing Director of Transconsult Limited, Dr. John App, Associate Professor at the Polytechnic University School of Hotel and Tourism Management. And in our Admiralty Studio, we have Vera Yoon, a Business and Economics Lecturer from the University of Hong Kong. Good morning to you all and uh, welcome to Backchat. Good morning. Um, um, good morning. Let's, good morning. Um, let's start with you, Mr. Jane. Uh, I'm, I'm just a little curious. Did you take any free bus or train rides last Sunday?
3: Well, I did not. Uh, but yeah. I was, but I saw what was happening, yeah.
4: So, so, what did you actually see?
3: Well, a lot of people came out, and obviously, this was a novelty factor. Uh, everybody wanted to enjoy. It. They wanted to make the the longest ride possible, and and, and yeah, I, I mean, I would say the results were quite predictable. Um, I have been in public transport operation for a long time, and Hong Kong people they love anything. Uh, that comes free and everybody
4: took advantage of that. And uh, there are no actual figures on the number of passengers enjoying free rides that day but, but uh, anecdotally there were many people out and about last Sunday like you just mentioned um, so many people that crowd control measures had to be implemented in a number of MTR stations and uh, um, many people took the opportunity to uh, visit tourism hotspots uh, Dr. App what's, what was your observation of uh, last Sunday's yeah, free rides uh, day?
6: Yeah, good, good morning uh, just to let you know my credentials I'm now current with uh, the Institute for Tourism Studies in Kaukau, well, no longer at Polytechnic. Yeah. Um Yeah, my take on this, uh, certainly you know, from a, a local tourism domestic perspective, um, it has. You know, it, there is a novelty factor, as our previous um, uh, speaker said. And uh, occasionally, I, I think you, you need to understand that accessibility, particularly internal accessibility, within a destination is very important. And uh, the easier it is to get to places, and certainly if it's free, as it was on that day, it was a boon for uh, not only the uh, local residents, but also the
0: tourists. I guess internal tourism, I mean, uh, given that we're kind of COVID, they're definitely not going to be out-of-town tourists. Um, you, know, we did see, you know, I did see reports of people saying that this was the first time they had ever visited a country park because of the cost associated with the transport. For those of us that you know, have a level of income and we don't really worry too much about, about uh, the cost of public transport, uh, for some people it's quite significant. Uh, does this suggest that we should be doing something that we should be doing more in this area for those types of people? John App? All
6: right. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, certainly. Uh, I think that um, whenever there are opportunities to promote tourism, you know, either locally or with international tourists, uh, it's a, a good idea to do that in terms of stimulating uh, people to you know, visit their own backyard, so to speak. And uh, I think that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, going to some of the country parks can be uh, a bit of a challenge uh, via public transport. And uh, if such opportunities are provided, then
0: uh, well and good is the way that I look at it. I mean, very you and you're you're the business and economic side of this. Uh, if we give somebody a free ride to a country park and then they, you know, go and have a visit, I mean, it's it's nice to have them do it and probably good for uh, I don't know mental health of the community, but it doesn't really have an economic impact, does it? I mean, it's a, isn't that a deadweight loss for the transport company?
7: Um, well, if you do these kind of I mean, free ride or free transport, it has to be subsidised in the long run if you want to do it frequently because, you know, a free of charge public transport is not at its equilibrium so obviously they provide them at a cost and because there are more people they actually have to get more of their workers to work during that day so when the demand is larger than supply it has to be subsidized somewhat and it's not efficient so um and i think but then when you do this kind of policy you look at the overall social benefits instead of just the private benefit and you will see whether it actually benefits the whole society I would say um well, at least it utilizes some public places for recreational purpose because they they could be underutilized because there's uh, you know because of the transport course but i 'm not sure if you do it more frequently would it actually have this effect of boosting because now you would expect there were more chances of free transport and then and then consider that uh, there are more chances in the future people may be more laid back and they may not travel to those places and also for country park when more people go there they actually damage the country park more i mean so there's sort of optimum amount of people that should be there rather than like in
0: excess just flooding it on one day Uh, we do want to get into the longer term effects of this but just as a point of order you say in the long term but for this one day exercise in hong kong who paid for this did the government cut a check to the transport companies or did the government tell the transport companies to suck it up
7: well i think it's out of some negotiation because the transport companies anyway they are some sort of monopolies they need um uh, the approval of government for their fares and for their routes and everything and MTR actually is owned like the majority of the shares are owned by the government so um well, if you uh, actually have this kind of relationship with the government, sometimes you need to bear some sort of, you know, so-called social responsibility. If it's just once one off, then it's actually fine because in, in the next time they would need uh, renegotiate a new, you know, tendering whatever. But if they do it very frequently, that would show up in the next negotiation of the contract of the government. So, anyway, at the end of the day, I think still the people would bear the cost because the private companies are not. Running, you know, for charity, they they need to profit,
0: right? So it looks like everybody got a free day, but we're going to pay for it somewhere.
3: I said that. Can I come in Andrew?
0: please, please, question? please? So first, I mean, I would I would like to make a distinction here. So, government as a
3: shareholder is different from government as a regulator, and and government as a regulator can, of course, ask the public transport companies to give a free ride on any given day. But according to the commercial model that is adopted in Hong Kong. And if you look at NDR ordinance, the government must pay for it. So all these companies are supposed to operate on commercially prudent principles, and any kind of fair uh,
8: impact that the companies do outside of commercial consideration, the government must pay for it. So this is the this is the
3: setting in Hong Kong. So uh, this is the, companies can't just do it as a part of making a deal with the government and and. And uh, and then the government can ask them whenever they want to,
0: like you know, give it free. But mm. so I think there is a clear distinction that is made in in the, in the ordinance. Okay, so you're saying that if the ordinance and the law is followed, the Hong Kong government will be cutting a check for revenues Should that be. would have normally. But win. having
3: said that, in this case, um, I hear that the government announced that they did not instruct the public transport companies to make it free.
4: Right. I got this um, uh, email uh, earlier and it's uh, from Barbara she says uh, it would be, it would be a fantastic idea to have a free MTR ride day every month let more citizens who are living far away from Hong Kong Island to enjoy local trips. Um, Dr. app if like the email suggests there was a free rider uh, more often um, how, how would it benefit the local tourism sector?
6: Well it really depends upon you know, what is your objective of, of your policy. And certainly, if it is to encourage tourism and to, to get to um, lesser known and less popular um, you know uh, attractions and say country parks etc are uh, well and good, um, but I, I wouldn't do it uh, and organise it too frequently. As mentioned by um, our, our listener, you know maybe once a month or on a special occasion uh, that would potentially work. Um, you also need to understand that. Um, Trials in previous years, I and mean, then this is going back you know, uh, more than a decade or so, when some cities tried to introduce uh, free public transportation, uh, they, they found that there was a decline <laughs> in the usage um, of uh, public transport because I think there's the uh, perception that if it's free, uh, then you, know, you, you don't get value for money or it mustn't be very good if it's free. So this is another consideration that you need to um, take into account.
0: I've looked at some of the the uh, studies that have been done on this, and it seems that ridership uh, does go up when you offer it for free. It's been done in places like Luxembourg, a number of cities across Europe, But it, the number of people driving cars, it has almost no impact on that at all, because people who are driving cars are still going to drive their cars. The people that end up using the free transport are people who would not have made a trip or people who would have walked or used a bicycle. And Have you, have you, have you, have you seen some of the research? Yeah. No.
3: which does it uh, for free for the entire nation, they have free public transport. And uh, what they have done, and successfully, that in addition to free public transport, they have increased the parking charges, they have uh, segregated lanes for buses, uh, so buses don't get into the congestion. So you have to do it a push and pull to make the policy effective. And I'm I'm a big supporter of free public transport. As long as the, the, the revenue that is generated from car usage is... Is given to the public transport operation, so there is, uh, the, the, there is no compromise on the quality of operation of public transport. And, and if you do that, you certainly can move people out of their cars into public transport because you have to make economically unviable for a lot of people to use their own cars.
0: All right, so there's got to be a stick involved as well. Indeed. You've got to beat those people out of their cars. Give them a good whack.
3: I won't say that, but yes, they should pay their true cost of, uh,
8: to society.
0: Right. Because uh, apparently some of the problems that arise with more people using the public transport is then it's more congested, uh, you get more longer people, uh, homeless people start using it as, you know, kind of camping out as a nice safe warm place to be for the day, which, which deters drivers, you know, and other people from using it.
3: Well, no, not quite. Actually, if you make it, uh, you know, public transport priority in the cities, then with the same number of buses or same number of resources, you can do more. So because journey times improve and just imagine today if it takes 60 minutes to make a journey and if you cut it down to 45 minutes the same bus can probably do one extra trip every two hours mm-hmm. and and i think that's the kind of extra capacity you gain by providing priority to buses if they are not stuck in the congestion so it all depends how you structure this entire thing uh, you know in, in the marketplace and it works very well i mean there are many i visited estonia Tallinn, and, and it worked perfectly well there
0: mm-hmm. A lot of these places that implemented it, they already uh, had their transport systems heavily subsidized so that fares were a tiny percentage, like 10%, 15% of their total revenue. But I, uh, I don't think that's the case in Hong Kong, is it? Do, do any of our guests today have a, have a sense of like, you know, if we were going to go to an all free model, what percentage of revenue would be lost by the bus companies, the MTR? Because I, I'm pretty oh, sure it's a 64. different situation here, right? So of MTR revenue comes from the fare box at the moment. Yeah, And and obviously Hong Kong
3: is a unique place in the world where every single public transport operator, almost every single public transport operator makes a, works it on a commercial basis, which means they make a profit out of their operation. There is no subsidy from the government. And it is quite unique. So giving up that model, so this is, we are at the other end of the spectrum, where everybody runs public transport as a business. And if we start to give it out free, then we are appending
0: the entire transport model, which is really a model for the world, uh, on its head. Mm. That doesn't sound like a good idea. (laughs) On the face of it, if you say, "Okay, we're (laughs)
6: going
0: to we're going to we're going to cut your your revenue by 70 percent and then replace it with government subsidy. I mean, that, that does seem like it would have a profound effect on the way that these things operate.
4: So so Vera Yun, I just want to go back to the point uh, that uh, Dr App was making earlier. He, he says uh, maybe once a month, free rides uh, once a month may, may be doable. What's your view? I mean, would that be sustainable?
7: Well, if you do that, that means the transport companies will be earning less because people would do all the things that require long travelling um, on that day. So if it reduces revenue because of that, it has to raise fare in order to bring even again. So it would raise the overall fare, but then they would be free. So what's the difference between them?
0: Yeah, I mean, cause they probably have lower ridership on the other weekend. Let's let's like say it was on a Sunday once a month. I mean, once a month, go visit grandma, do it on that day. Once a month, go to the country park, do it on that day. That day, the trains are packed. Rest of the month, eh, not so much
7: yeah there's externalities because fare helps um, correct externalities when the fare is lower more people take to ride it causes traffic jam you need to wait for a few trains to to go on there so i don't think free ride um in the long run is a good idea and another point i want to add is that well hong kong has very very low transport fare compared with many other countries Mm. like japan uk and i would say mtr it's you know, this profit, a uh, large part of it, a substantial part of it, I would say, comes from property development. It's a property developer. Mm. It's the model of it. That means we are paying high price property as a latent tax to subsidize the transportation costs instead of saying that it's actually self-sustainable. So it, it builds those um, railways, and then they develop a lot of projects along the railways, and those real estate are very expensive. That's mm. the model.
0: Yeah, because right, the MTR... I
3: would of- beg to differ here uh, sure. in, in, for a minute. Uh, so MTRC property, the, the railway property model, model that we spoke about, uh, is primarily driven towards the, the capital cost of construction of railway, not really the operating cost of the railway. So operating side MTRC only, the the property thing only comes in through the, the property management and the and the range that
0: they let out the shop side. But property development profit. Is ploughed into constructing new railway lines, so just just a distinction there. Yeah, and that that cost is not insignificant, is it? Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of a lot of dough. Um, okay, so so we're you know thinking about this. So maybe maybe this this idea of free transport it does work in some other places, but probably not in Hong Kong, uh, except for maybe a very very limited basis. <laughs> Um, how about targeting specific groups? I think we've got a new program coming in in 2022, this new YouJoy uh, program that's being introduced. Are any of you up to speed on that?
3: Yeah, for elderly, only for the elderly above 60. And, uh, you know, elderly and disabled people are already covered by a $2 flat fare scheme for, I think, uh, since uh, I think it started first time in 2003, and it has been carried on in different forms. And currently, it covers almost all modes of transport. So anybody above 65 uh, or anybody who has a disability, they can travel on public transport, go from anywhere to anywhere in Hong Kong at a flat price of $2. Mm. And that is subsidized by the government, which I think is a great scheme from a social context, because it gives uh, disadvantaged
0: a great way to access transport facilities. Yeah. I remember I used to run it. I can say his name now because the elections are over, but I used to run into Mike Rouse on the bus. And he was very excited when he was coming up on his uh, his elderly subsidy scheme, you know, when he was getting close to it. So so this this program is coming in. Do we have an idea of, uh, you know, this is, is going to help improve mobility for older Hong Kongers? What are they going to do with it? Like, do we think that there'll be more elderly people getting back into staying in the workforce longer or you know, will this just be for enhancing their life enjoyment? What, what is the expected impact of a program that extends this $2 subsidy fare?
3: Well, according to government, it's both, actually. So it also gives them, because, uh, you know, there is a problem with people, uh, older people, to, 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 to find jobs. Okay? So when, when the employers are hiring them, there is, a, even though age discrimination uh, is not allowed in Kong all by law, But naturally, uh, companies don't hire older people uh, for uh, senior or for any middle post positions or junior positions, and hence their access to uh, the workforce reduces. So, of course, uh, giving them a little bit of a support by the society. So now, the UJoy program will give it uh, for anybody above 60, which is in Hong Kong terms still an age where people are quite fit and they could be they could participate in the economic activities. So, so that is. The kind of and of course healthy
4: aging is another aspect of it, which also co- is covered by this scheme. Um, uh, Vera are you uh, looking? Looking at uh, the economic benefits uh, from uh, this uh, free rides day, uh, how does it compare to benefits from the uh, consumption voucher, for example?
7: Well, very little, I would say, because it is a sh- short run stimulus of sales and. Clearly, the retail and restaurants, they got more business. But then you have to separate uh, the income effect and substitution effect. So income effect is if you have more income, you have more wealth, you would like to spend more. But because that amount of subsidy is actually not that much. So that effect is actually little. It comes from substitution effect. That is, you want to buy something later, but then you buy it now. So later on, you would buy less. So at the end, it's a substitution. So I don't think the overall effect to economy is huge. Um, but I want to add that I think the capital construction of the MTR WorldWay comes from the funding of the call. I mean, they debate a lot about whether, you know, they, they budget and then have to increase um, the budget for MTR construction. It comes from the government
0: finance. It doesn't come from the MTR itself. Alex, Jane, do you want to draw? Yeah,
3: if I can clarify here, there are two types of railways in Hong Kong. There are one which are given on concession to MTR, and then there are ones which are built by MTR or owned by MTR. So, all the projects that are owned by MTR, for example, your Island Line and all those uh, extensions of South Island Line, for that matter, they are MTR projects. They are owned by MTR. No funding was given by go. but then there are new railway lines which are socially desirable but commercially unviable only for those projects government owns the railway line and they give it to NTRC on a 50-year concession uh, and and that funding comes from the government coffers. so okay. there are two different models which Yeah, are but important. I don't think
7: you, you can separate the government and private because the government owns the NTRC Yeah,
3: but as a shareholder so I think there's a distinction here government as a shareholder and government as a regulator.
0: Yeah, it, it does get a little messy when the, when the government is, is the major shareholder. Because, uh, of course, the NPR has to has to do reporting like a public company and maintain a balance sheet, whereas the government doesn't. <laughs> so it gets, it gets very messy when you try to combine those two things. Absolutely. It's not, as long as you can keep that distinction clearly in your mind. Yeah, The mm. so government doesn't own the the Government is the largest shareholder of NPR. Mm. So one one of the owners, yeah, yeah.
4: Dr. App, uh, after listening to uh, what uh, Vera Yuna has been saying and uh, what Mr. Jane has been saying, um, ha, ha, what's your view now? I mean, do you think it's uh, still doable that uh, to have uh, one month uh, free rides every, uh, one day free rides every month? Well,
6: really, I mean, offering free transportation and, and things like that. Really, um, you, you, your, your policy, if you have such a policy is directed at, you know, what are the social benefits that you wish to um, have the community experience? I mean, not only the community, but, you know, also, you know, tourists who come and, you know, they they may get a nice little surprise. And and I, in fact, did have a friend who was in Hong Kong um, uh, during that time. And, uh, you know, when we mentioned to her, oh, yeah, please take advantage of this. And and obviously uh, she did. So... um, yeah, it's a matter of um, you know what, what is your policy, as I mentioned uh, before. You know, what's your objective and what is the aim? And, and certainly, free transportation you know uh, provides uh, social benefits, uh, let alone the you know, the economic impact, which uh, may be negligible if it's um, done on a, a one-off basis or irregular basis.
0: In a lot of places where they have more people driving as opposed to using public transport, they will introduce uh, free public transport for New Year's Eve, which is coming up. Good idea? Bad idea? Good other places? Not great for Hong Kong?
6: Well, I, mean, I think it's a, you know, something like that is a good idea uh, if you want to get people off the road and uh, less traffic uh, congestion. I mean, the advantage of Hong Kong is certainly that they have um, a very efficient uh, public transportation system. So... Um, That is very different to uh, many other countries and major cities around the world.
4: All right, uh, I'm afraid uh, we have to take a short break for the news summary. Thanks again, Dr. App, for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. John App, Visiting Professor and Director of the Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies. Mr. Jane and uh, Ms. Yoon, you'll be staying with us for a bit longer so we can continue our discussion after the news. And uh, just a reminder, after 9.15, we'll be discussing free smartphones for the elderly. If you want to ask questions or just share your views on today's topics, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Now, the weather forecast, mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches. Sunny intervals later with a top temperature of around 22 degrees. Winds, moderate east to north-easterlies. And the outlook, mainly cloudy in the next couple of days, with temperatures falling to around 10 degrees early next week. Right now it's 19 degrees, relative humidity, 72
3: percent plan celebrations without the need for other precautions
2: you're listening to the news on rthk
4: Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Thursday morning with Andrew Work and me, Janice Wong. Today, we're talking about the impact of last Sunday's Free Rides Day. If you have any questions or comments on today's topics, feel free to contact us. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233 And our Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Still here with us on Backchat is a transport expert, Alok Jane, and business and economics lecturer, Vera Yoon. Mr. Jane, um, let's go back to the uh, Free Rides Day last Sunday. The original estimate of uh, the Free Public Transport Day uh, was estimated to be $35 million. Looking at the number of people out and about on that day, does uh, $35 million look about right?
3: Well, $35 million is only for MTR, I suppose. Uh, if you combine all the bus companies into that, uh, you would probably be looking at a number of close to $70 million,
0: I be. Okay, and were the ferries ferries were included as well, weren't they? Did the ferries? Well, some of them. Some of them. Okay, got it. Yeah. Many many bus drivers were not. They were not happy.
3: <laughs> well, they were not happy because obviously the, the you know sudden surge of the crowd that came in, and also because there was uh, no fare collection equipment. Uh, so it was a pre meeting day. So there were, nobody was tapping. So there is no record of how many people were actually using. And normally in a in a bus or a train operation. Uh, Fair collection system also gives you a great operational insight of what is happening uh, throughout the network at at any given point of time. Mm. And operators often adjust the services according to the demand. But that day was like you were playing blind, you know, totally. Uh, You had no data coming in and the services were going totally haywire. The congestion uh, at various termini was huge. And, and obviously the front line then bears the brunt of the entire, uh, you know, people's uh, rage when they
0: can't get on the bus. Sure. So I, I guess minibus drives So, for example, if you were at an MTR station ferrying people out to the country parks, you probably had a pretty good day in terms of, uh, you know, just people lined up over the place. But if you were running a minibus line through the city, say, along the length of Hong Kong Island, it was probably a pretty terrible day for you.
3: Yes. They, some of no them reported up 80 percent drop.
0: Wow. I mean, that's that's a little unfair, but I mean, uh, what's the message to those guys? Just tough, you know? Vera, well, did you catch any messaging um, on that?
7: E- yeah, no, I'm checking out um, MTRL financial report. Anyway, um, for the minibus, it depends on the lines. I think for the lines that overlap with MTRL and other uh, buses, they should have take a break uh, instead of trying to wait for people because the problem is... Even if I wanna take the minibus, I don't want the crowded people in MTR. Um, there will, won't be other people who join me. There's a collective action problem. If it's a red mini I will have to wait like ages and then there won't be enough people and it, it wouldn't start running. So I wouldn't actually, you know, try my luck. I would just go to MTR and wait. Yeah. That's the that's the problem.
0: Yeah. I guess no, nobody's talked about supporting those those minibus drivers that lost a day of income. Nobody has, yes, that's true. Yeah.
4: Um, I've got a few emails here. I'll just uh, read them out. Uh, This one is uh, by Bill. He says, uh, by some measures, one third of Hong Kong people are below the poverty line. One day a month, free transport for everyone will help the one third a lot. The well-paid Andrew Work and Vera Yuen are horrified. The transport companies may make less profit. Fares may need to be raised or the government provides direct subsidies. Also, I'd like to remind Andrew again, um, he is not in the U.S. Homeless people sleeping in the train stations is not an issue in Hong Kong.
0: Oh, damn, he's having a run at me. First of all, I've been in the United States since 2006 <laughs> because I'm not an American. Jeez, you know, any regular <laughs> listeners of the show would know that I slip into Canada every chance I get. And it's not so much a question of the profits of the transport companies. It's what Vera pointed out, is that uh, the taxpayers, somebody's going to end up paying for it somewhere. you know, And it's either going to come out of taxes or it's going to come out of higher real estate prices which everybody pays.
4: Vera, do you have a response? Well, I
3: have another solution. You make parking three times the cost on weekends and then make public
0: transport free. I think that will work. Yeah. That's that stick we talked about. Vera?
7: Um, I don't see the need of making like a free day or whatever, but I think it's I mean your point of um subsidizing targeted groups I mean we can examine that because we already have a public transfer fare subsidy scheme that is the subsidy amount will be twenty five percent of the extra expenses about four hundred dollars, subject to a maximum of three hundred dollars per month, which means you can get cash back with your octopus. Um, every month that we all enjoy, and then we have the elderly fare that helps them to be career because their transportation cost is cheap. And uh, I think, but it um, most of the time the elderly enjoy riding on trips and on buses and spending their time is more about active aging. The problem is they some of them take buses and MTR during rush hours, which is not that. Optimal. I mean, you shouldn't give them lower fare during rush hours. I mean, their time cost is lower. So I always support um, to remove their discount during rush hour. And there's actually another scheme that subsidizes low-income workers um, that live in remote areas because it encourages them to get a job um, in further places. Uh, so that they do not need to stay in the very remote, you know, northwest areas. So there's actually such a scheme, but I think they need to go through a lot of papers and then get approved and then get a few hundred dollars back each month, something like that. So I think it's about having some of the groups uh, to have them subsidized for transport because it It actually reduces their mobility and also it d- discourages them to get a better job. But for the others, I mean, transportation costs in Hong Kong are actually uh, not high at all. I don't see the need of, you know, making everything free.
4: Mm. Right. I have uh, another email. This one is not about uh, anyone spe- specific. <laughs> it says, uh, it's from John. It says, please discuss and explain approximately why 2,000 people are injured every year while traveling on buses. And, uh, oh, this one is uh, about uh, us, actually. It's uh, also from John. It says, watch, do the hosts and guests even use public transport every day? And The public buses are typically already crammed. Full standing room only make it free will make it more cramped. And actually, I don't take public transport usually because I walk to work.
3: I take it every day.
0: <laughs> every day. Let me, let me answer this. Every day and I'm not I'm a walking.
3: qualified bus driver, by the way. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I, I ran the buses and trains, and, you know, I, was, I worked in NPR for 13 years, I worked in KMB for five, four years, and I'm a qualified bus driver. So I can, I can very well answer this, yes. Yeah. I mean, Hong Kong is fantastic that way. The public transport is very well run. Yes, it's crowded, but it's crowded everywhere, and it's because, uh, you know, it's very well-utilized public transport system, and that's the model as a city we should have, where we have a quality public transport provided at a good cost, at a reasonable cost. And, and 90% of Hong Kong travels on public transport on a daily basis, which is the highest in the world. So it
0: speaks for itself. Yeah. I'm, every day I took a bus a train and a bus to get here. Yeah, especially if it's raining and really crowded, it can be a little bit unpleasant. But I have to admit, people, people are pretty well behaved in Hong Kong compared to other, yeah. other places I've traveled to. You know, We, we are a little bit spoiled here, not, not just by the services provided, but also by the, uh, the culture of the people. That use it, I think, make it make it very uh, tolerable.
4: Vera, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I think that's
7: why it shouldn't be free because it's already crowded during rush hour. Like in at multi during like um, when you get all of the uh, get off your work, you need to wait. I know five five drinks and it's very very crowded. It's very unpleasant, mm. and. It's just a, it's just similar to the report that you read that um, if it's free, then even if it's only one station that I can do it by walking distance, I would actually take the train because you know it's free, whatever. So, well, it helps divert away some of the people who actually don't need the public tra- like, tra- transport at that spot. So I think some sort of fare would be good. It's just like if you give out something for free, there are people who take them away, but they don't actually need it. I mean, it always happens. So if you just charge a little bit, of course, then you can, well, at at least um, spend some effort to ensure the guy who takes it away would be the one who needs it, rather than uh, you know um, not the one who needs it the most. So it's you know allocated by market. Is uh, I think this is an advantage of. On uh, the market.
0: Yeah, that, that's an interesting point because I have to admit when I use the metro, it's usually very early in the morning, so it's not very crowded, or very late at night or mid afternoon. I tend not to hit those really heavy, heavy, heavy traffic times. Um, could we be doing more in terms of pricing during different hours to try and push people to use it during, uh, you know, either earlier or later times to take them out of the rush hour?
7: I think for Trink they already have early bird discount for for some of the trips. I I don't know whether they still have it, but uh, I think they had yeah. it.
0: I've heard about it, but I'm not clear. You know, I'm not clear. I might be getting the discount, and I don't even know. I mean, maybe it's not promoted enough. Which is
3: uh, Andrew, you precisely the point. Most of the people in Hong Kong, and I have done surveys during my public transport operation days. uh, Most of the people don't even know how much they have paid for their journey, because uh, because Octopus is so convenient, and many of these schemes, early bird schemes. Hong Kong people are not so price sensitive. Let me put it this way, and studies after studies have proven that that none of these uh incentivization of peak discounts or, or peak pricing have actually worked in the longer term uh in, in Hong Kong transport system. People just I mean there is a short term effect and then this, everything just falls back into, into into normal place. And and I think that is one reason which which why these uh, peak pricing or off peak pricing hasn't worked. I, I can give you an example of Singapore. Singapore even does it free in the early morning so that they want to divert people away from, from the peak hour. And yet uh, they have not been able to solve the problem fully. The diversion rate is much below
0: expected. I mean, this goes to the gap in economic studies where they go to people and say, OK, what would you do or are you likely to? And then you see what actually happens. I mean, I guess people could go to work an hour earlier if they wanted, didn't want to hit the rush hour. But, eh, it's not, you know, they've made a choice between those two preferences. Would they rather have a less crowded train or an extra hour at home in the morning? they've made a choice, they've expressed a choice through action.
3: And the price
0: elasticity,
7: of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because um, the transport fare is not high enough. It's actually very cheap. I mean, in the UK, it's like five pounds a trip. I mean, if it's that expensive and you can get it for free, there are people who would do it. And the other thing is, if you go back to your office earlier than the others, you don't get paid more. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a psychological loss of going back earlier for (laughs) some. Right. I think it's very important. So they just want to wait until the last minute, and they want to sleep, you know, just fifteen minutes, thirty minutes more.
0: So in which case, they don't mind waiting a couple of trains during rush hour.
7: Yeah, I mean, they they can tolerate it.
0: Hmm. Very good. So maybe, so maybe, maybe we're you know maybe maybe not free. Uh, so for, I think free transport kind of been ruled out as a <laughs> as a viable option for the city of Hong Kong. Uh, You know, we had this one experiment with free transport. I'm trying to, I've been here 25 years. I'm trying to rack my brains for examples of other days when we had uh,
4: access to free transport. Actually, Andrew, you know, Mm. like coming up, I just remember looking at the newspaper yesterday. They Mm. will have a free transport, well, not free transport day, but a free tram ride day on uh, the 30th of December. And that is to uh, commemorate a very famous uh, Canto Pop art. Singer uh, Anita Mui.
0: Oh, yeah, with the big biopic yeah. out now.
4: Yeah, I don't know and if you've it, heard about that. And the
0: Hong Kong General Chamber sponsors a free tram day every day, and that's pretty popular.
4: Yeah. And in Hong Kong, actually,
3: even MTRC, the day any new line opens, they often make it a free travel day, as well as uh, many of the new lines, uh, you know, as a part of the promotion, they have also done a free free transport day on those particular lines. But as a system wide, the answer is no. We mm. haven't done it before.
0: Okay, so this this was a bit of an experiment for Hong Kong. Uh, you know, we, we'll see we'll see how that goes for future future experiments, or if they are to be repeated. Uh, Vera or Alec, do, before we go, do you think? Uh, could you think of any other occasions in which the government might want to offer a free transport day? Given what we have learned from this experiment,
7: well, uh, maybe the next election day. I don't know, but I think this time turns out that it they. I think some sort of parties want to avoid blame and then they try to do this free transport. But I'm not sure whether it's positive to the turnout because, you know, post stations are very near to like people's homes. So it it might be a negative effect. So I'm not sure whether they will offer it in the next election day. But if they offer it, we'll be quite happy anyway.
3: Hmm. I mean, surely there's a room for free transport on on specific lines and specific occasions uh, at certain places. But I think a system-wide effect is uh, slightly uh, difficult to manage and difficult to address, uh, as we saw what happened uh, on, on the last week, right, day, pre-transport day. And I don't think those situations were actually pleasant. And the experience of customers was, was entirely uh, positive. So I think that things, I mean, in Hong Kong, we always pride ourselves into planning things properly before doing it. And I think we should, we must do it uh, the same way. Yeah, we, we should plan it before we do it.
0: Well, maybe if we get the rugby sevens back and they have it in the new stadium, there could be like a you know the last couple of the, the last couple of train stations to get you into that new stadium might be an idea to have it free for spectators, something like that. Who knows? Yeah. Well, they do
3: run free buses
5: for rugby sevens. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Alright, uh, we'll have to leave it there but uh, thank you for joining us uh, this morning and uh, that's uh, Transport Export Expert uh, Alok Jain who is the Managing Director of Trans Consult Limited and Vera Yoon, a Business and Economics Lecturer from the University of Hong Kong. It's now 18 minutes past nine and it's time to turn to our final topic today, the Jockey Club Scheme that offers 20,000 smartphones to elderly people in need so they can use the government's Leave Home Safe app. 12 non-governmental organizations will help distribute the phones. That comes with a 12-month basic mobile service and training for users to learn the practical skills of using smartphones and mobile applications. To find out more, we're joined on the line now by Esther Wong, the Assistant Director of Hong Kong Shing Kung Hui Welfare Council, who will help distribute the smartphones. Good morning, Ms Wong. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So how will the smartphones be distributed?
9: Um, well, um, we have received around uh, 1,000 inquiries from the elderly centers in these two days. And uh, now we have assessed already 250 elderly. And the first lot of the smartphone will be distributed in after the Christmas holiday. And it is expected that uh, all the smartphones will be distributed by our agency before the new, new year.
0: Okay. <clears throat> and how, how are you deciding if somebody qualifies for this? I mean... Are you just trusting the people? Like, or is it through nursing homes and you're going to make sure that the people in the nursing homes kind of know who does and who doesn't already have a phone?
9: Oh, um, the elderly who are 65 years old and uh, receiving CSSA and not owning any smartphone and living in the community is eligible for, all the, uh, for the scheme. So uh, if the elderly is living in a uh, nursing home, uh, he, uh, she is not eligible for the scheme in this moment.
0: Okay, so people people on CSSA. Okay, so that's that yeah. they that give you a, that gives you a target. What about people that uh, uh, you know aren't aren't part of the CSA? Or if you've got, like for example, homeless people in Hong Kong are quite often registered for a number of support programs, um, but maybe not CSSA. Are, are you yes. able to reach them as well? Because I understand they've been a, a group that's had problems with this app.
9: um, We have received a lot of inquiry from these kind of people who are not receiving CSSA, but they are not eligible in these schemes at this moment. And hopefully um, different parts of uh, private sectors or charity fund can consider that this and have the next step for for these kind of people. Yeah.
4: And the scheme will target uh, elderly people aged uh, 65 and above. Uh, How difficult has it been for them in adapting to uh, the government's anti-epidemic measures during this uh, COVID pandemic? Um, I think they are
9: very isolated during the pandemic because uh, they cannot go out to shopping to see their friends to see their uh, family members and um, they uh, they do not know how to use the digital device to connect with the society and with their uh, peers. So I think they are very difficult during the pandemic. Uh, I think um, the digital divide can help them to connect with their people and um, if the, if the digital device is uh, ready for them to uh, the, to connect with their families and uh, so that they can um, connect and um, uh, join our program, join our uh, learning program in the elderly centers to expand their uh, heart
0: So Sounds like you're using the Leave Home Safe app as an excuse to get them wired up. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that is that the case? Are you thinking, well, we're going to say it's Leave Home Safe, but really what we want to do is you get them a phone so they can get other benefits from it
4: yes okay and uh, and uh, apart from uh, giving them a free phone, uh, you also uh, offer training uh, to to help them learn how to use a, a smartphone um, who will actually be giving them th- this kind of training and how ha- how will it work? I mean because I know like uh, many many elderly people they they're not really familiar with uh, this uh, new technology to them it's...
9: yes um I think um the, uh, we will provide the training uh, on how to use the mobile phone, how to charge up their mobile phone, and we will provide training for them to use the uh, to use the mobile apps, the leave home safe mobile apps, and also other mobile apps such as the HA and the um, and others such as the health code, the common health code. We will also provide training to them. For the elderly, they are very difficult to handle these kind of mobile apps. The major reason is that they, um, the visual visually impaired, and they have a poor memory, and they may be very difficult to understand. And they need to practice more and more, and so that they can remember. So uh, we need to use a lots of empowered um, and um, teachers to teach them uh, on site. And also, we will have the telephone consultation for them, so that if they um, forgot how to use the mobile apps, we will uh, teach them over the phone. Mm.
4: And apart from the Jockey Club, will you be uh, getting any um, extra, like any any smartphones from uh, other other charities or other places?
9: Uh, yes, uh, uh, for my agency, we also have the charity. And also the donation from, uh, from the church under our agency. And they have donated some money for us to, um, to buy the mobile phone and the SIM card to the elderly, uh, who are in need. They are not, uh, confined to the CSSA recipient. Some no income is also eligible. So, uh, I think there is many donors in the uh, community. They are also very willing to donate uh, for the uh, mobile
0: phone for the elderly. Are you taking second-hand phones? I mean, this this is a big concern is about, you know, the fact that we have these disposable phones and they have toxic chemicals in them that end up in our landfill. Um, is there any attempt being made to see if you can get people to donate their old phones, but that would still work for the Leaf Home Safe app to donate? Uh,
9: I think the second-hand mobile phone is also another other uh, uh, methods to solve the problem but there is many technical problems we need to solve before we give the phone to the elderly and also not all the uh, model is fit for the elderly because for elderly they need to use a simple model instead of a very difficult um, model to handle the information inside so uh, we need we have some technical issues to uh, solve before we to the
0: elderly. Yeah, there were there were a lot of news reports that when the government was tightening up uh, restrictions and demanding more use of the Leave Home Safe app, that a lot of uh, companies were offering second-hand phones that were kind of stripped down. All they had on them was the Leave Home Safe app at a very low price. Are you accessing any of that uh, expertise? Are you able to go into the shops in Sham Po or, you know, the Wan Chai Computer Center and say, hey guys, tell us how you did it. What works and what doesn't? Uh,
9: oh, we don't
0: know. <laughs> Might be an idea.
4: All right. I I actually have an email here. It's from Bill. Um, He says, What is Hong Kong offering to its elderly since uh, June 21st, 2021 in Singapore? um, They uh, tried to reach out to seniors. The IMDA, uh, which is the Infocom Media Development Authority, uh, is launching their own mobile access for senior scheme in conjunction with four or five of uh, the uh, telecom companies. Under the scheme, Seniors who qualify will be able to subscribe to a one-year mobile plan at only uh, around 29 Hong Kong dollars a month, and a subsidized smartphone starting from around uh, 115 Hong Kong dollars. And uh, that email is from Bill. So, uh, Miss Wong, do you think uh, there's more can be done to help? Uh, um, I don't know, give uh, elderly smartphones instead of relying on uh, people to donate.
9: Um, this is a great idea in Singapore, and I think we can um, take reference to their uh, to the program and see if Hong Kong is uh, 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 can can be adopted in Hong Kong situation.
0: Apparently, Singapore, I've had Singaporeans explain this to me is that they also, if, if they don't want to have the thing on their phone, they have a separate device that they can register for. It just has like their basic name. Uh, on it and they can just use this separate device to scan the information and, you know, it's able to get in touch with them if if needs be, uh, for contact tracing. Um, have you broached this, you know, kind of talked to the government about an idea for something even simpler, simpler than a smartphone that you could use with the elderly?
9: Yes, uh, I agree with your point, and I would also like to appeal for support from government to adopt the more elderly friendly measures to facilitate our elderly to enjoy the community facilities. For example, uh, maybe we can explore if Octopus or other devices can serve a sim- similar function, or just uh, using the existing practice of, uh, by allowing them to simply write down the contact is also. Uh, uh, suitable for the elderly, and I hope the el- uh, I hope the government can take care of the lead of the of this minority group of the elderly who do not know how to use the very complicated digital device in Hong Kong. And there is, I think, uh, this trustee uh, Justice now only uh, offer us twenty thousand. But uh, well, um, as far as I know, I uh, we know that there is around forty four hundred. Uh, 400,000 of the elderly who do not have the smartphone at this moment. Mm. This is a research done by the government last year, and we know that many, many elderly do not have smartphone. Maybe they have the 2G cell phone, but not the smartphone.
0: Right. So maybe a separate device like they have in Singapore could be an answer. You mentioned the Octopus Card um, with the people that you work with in the elderly, how many of them figured out how to get the $5,000 on their octopus cards? I bet you they all figured that out. Uh,
9: pardon?
0: Sorry? So you know how the government uh, had the program where you got $5,000 and you know a lot of people got it on their octopus yeah. cards? You mentioned octopus. Among the elderly that you work with, how many of them figured out how to get that $5,000? Um,
9: just not easy. We have uh, used a lot of energy to teach them and uh, my, my staff uh, need to coach them how to use it. So it is a lot, there is a lot of education we we, we need to done to the elderly.
0: Mm, sounds like you can use that experience one more time.
9: Yes.
4: <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Ms. Wong, we'll uh, have to leave it there for now. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. That's Esther Wong, the Assistant Director of Hong Kong Shing Kong Wu Welfare Council. Also, many thanks to all of you who commented through email and our Facebook page. And uh, thank you to my co host Andrew and uh, Yuki, our producer. Now, here's the weather. Um, uh, mainly cloudy with uh, one or two rain patches uh, Sunny intervals later with a top temperature of around 22 degrees Winds moderate east to north easterlies, And the outlook mainly cloudy in the next couple of days With uh, temperatures falling to around 10 degrees early next week Right now it's 19 degrees, relative humidity 69%
2: As the risk of severe disease and death from COVID-19 increases with age Vaccines are highly recommended for the elderly Common side effects are usually mild and temporary. Experts advise that those who have had flu shots before can safely receive COVID-19 vaccines. Even if you have a disease, you should get vaccinated as long as your condition is stable. Just staying home doesn't mean you're free from the risk of infection. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated early.
4: It's 9.30, the news with Andrew Shirovsky.
2: The University of Hong Kong says it's decided to remove a statue commemorating the 1989 Tiananmen Square incident. In a statement, it said the decision to remove the sculpture was based on external legal advice and risk assessment for the best interest of the university. The Danish sculptor who put up the statue has expressed shock over the university's decision, saying it's not an easy task to dismantle the sculpture. And the head of the World Health Organization has told a news conference that there should be enough coronavirus vaccines for all adults around the world to be vaccinated by the end of March next year. Tune in for more on these and other stories at 10 o'clock.
0: It's time right now
4: on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Wheelan and his guests on the Morning Brew. Hello. Hello,
5: Phil. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. In the Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tor and Jerry type violence.
4: It's a great experience
5: if you just want to get a bit of a zinc.
4: On your radio
9: and live online, this is the Morning Brew. Good morning. Oh.
5: Good morning to you. Welcome to Thursday's Morning Brew. With me, Phil Whelan, today and tomorrow. I probably told you before, but for the next few weeks, James and I are going to be mixing and matching a little because I'm going to be doing some office tea-making skill improvement stuff. Anyway, it's lovely to be with you here today. 10.10 this morning. I'm going to welcome back the amazing vocalist... And ex King singer Paul Phoenix, wow, what a voice this boy has! Paul's going to join me from the UK to share some of his favourite Christmas with music with you. Of course, most of it features him, but uh, you know, if you've got it, flaunt it. <laughs> After 11, our vet Dr. David Gething will be with us for a seasonal house call and in the words of Seer, puppies are forever. Do email us any pet-related questions you may have or pop up a message on our Morning Brew Facebook page. And after 12, it's time for our 2nd December catch-up with Bureau Chief at Large, Neil Runciman, who of course reports live from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and you can check him out on Facebook Live as well.